Hey Tess, I'm Tess, the one, two, one, two. Uh, my name is Ja. We are here with another episode of Gumbo. I got my boy here with me. What's up, y'all? You know me, I'm Dugo. Glad to, uh, you know, always be in the room here with you, Ja. Uh, ready to get it sliced up tonight, slice and dice. of off-season news to get to today big news happened oh, in the NFL. Shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. uh out in the desert kyler murray signed a five-year extension with the cardinals yeah dude. um he's gonna be there until 2028 yep so i know we probably all kind of expected that to happen it's probably not really all that surprising but kyler is obviously a really good quarterback he's a great fantasy asset and there's one player in particular that I think he uh, just gave a slight boost to in Dynasty Leagues. Who do you think that is? Hollywood Brown. Interesting. I, I like that. I mean, obviously they traded for him in uh, this year's draft. Uh, in the first round, they had to give up a first round for him and I think another asset. But, bro, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they were roommates in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two, yep. Kyler and Hollywood. So, I mean, they just have that natural bond. I think that... That always but, helps. I mean, we've kind of talked about this before. Like, the people who we thought are probably going to be on, like, the down swing now because of the Rondale Moore. Like, if you look at that offense. Because of what Rondale Moore could cause to other players. Right. Well, like, what I'm saying is, like, I think Hollywood Brown does exactly what Rondale Moore can do. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, for that reason, like, I almost, like, I don't think Rondale Moore is, irre- or is irrelevant. But I he think, lost some value. Yeah, I think he's one of the people who lost value because of that trade. Well, we'll have to see what he does the first month of the year when D hops out. For and, sure, uh, dude. Well, I think he's definitely going to get his use and everything. I mean, it's mm. going to be his second year in that system. He's going to just have more of a natural feel, which is going to be cool. But yeah. I think Rondell Moore just... I mean, you can't have, like, two of those gadget guys, I think. I'll no, you don't want too many gadgets. Time. You don't want a fucking you know, tool belt at your receiver core, like... Yeah, and it's going to be weird to have, like, two of those guys out on the field, like, with, like, an A.J. Brown or... A.J. Green? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, A.J. Green, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, like, I don't know. Like, it just gives me kind of a weird feeling. Like, I almost feel like he's not necessarily out the door yet. No, but, he's still yeah, really young. He's in his second year. For sure. I just, it, I feel like, just kind of like you said, like, he, he just loses some value with it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and, you know, I guess just bringing it back to Marquise Brown... Uh, I feel like Dude's going to see a big... He sees a big hit in Dynasty because of the fact that he just signed a contract there. He hasn't played year one of his contract yet, and now you have Kyler staying there for another six years. Yeah. Having that tandem together, getting the ability to grow old with each other mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a football sense. Also, DeAndre Hopkins is like third, you know? Yeah, and he also has like six-game suspension too yeah. that he has to ride out to start the season. Like, D-Hop's a really good receiver, don't get me wrong, but he is getting up there in age. And, yeah, he's starting to get hurt more and more every year, so it's a little it's a little scary as a dynasty asset, let mm-hmm. alone an asset in general in fantasy mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I think he's going to come back and he's going to be hungry, man. Mm-hmm. Like, his the one downfall to them last year, the Cardinals, was that D-Hop was yep. hurt late. And so Worst think, timing. Worst so, timing. yeah, I think that if he's going to be, you know, healthy late now, I think as a dynasty whole or, like, any sort of fantasy uh, player, like, you should definitely look to have D-Hop on your team because you know he's going to get those sneaky touchdowns just because, I mean, he, he, he's an ape. He, he, he catches everything in sight or in, you know, reach. Yep. You know, honestly, I feel like A.J. Green might play somewhat of a vital role uh, while hops out playing that X receiver, 
and we'll see Rondell do a lot out of the slot. But um, that receiver room, even though a couple of them are a little bit older, they, they can do a lot. And I'm excited to kind of see what they do uh, to start the year out next year. I have DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm hoping he can come back healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can kind of show us, you know, what made us respect him, what made us love him, and what made us appreciate him. Because even though it's only been a year, a year feels like forever in fantasy football. Oh, no doubt, dude. And, I mean, someone that we've all been missing in fantasy football for the last two years Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas already reported on the pop list again. Like, what are your thoughts on that growing into this year? Like, obviously, he's been dealing with this. I mean, it's coaching. It's ankle issues. It's, like, obviously, now it seems like it's actually more physical. But, like, dog, like, what do you think is going on with Michael Thomas? And what are your thoughts on him as a fantasy asset this year? From how I understand it, Players being put on that list right now essentially says that they're going to be out the next six weeks, uh, which is right before, you know, the season starts. And so there's a chance Michael Thomas could still boot up for the beginning of the year. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would love to see that. But honestly, man, I don't really want much to do with the guy. Like, even if he comes back, like, cool, happy to have you. For right now, you have to get Michael Thomas in, like, the sixth round, sixth or seventh round. Right. There's a ton of other guys around that uh, around that place mark I'd rather invest in. No doubt, dude. I mean, I was going to say, like, we've been starting to do mock drafts and everything, and, I mean, just kind of getting a gauge of where players are starting to go. Like, Michael Thomas, I just feel like that's way too much value to be, you know, throwing up for someone who is, I mean, he's missed the last two years. And he's had all these other issues. Yeah. Like, I just don't know if I want him that early. Like, you could get, like, shit, dude. Like, Christian Kirk's going around that same area. And Christian Kirk is going to be the one on that Jaguars team. So, I mean, just value aside, I mean, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, man. Like, get me that stuff, man. Like, get me the for real stuff. Like, Christian Kirk, I think this year, like, I think that's going to be for real. Like, this guy is going to be the one on that team. I, at least I believe. Like, I don't think Marvin Jones is going to really compete for that. Mm-hmm. So I just think, uh, yeah, man. Like, if you're going around, like, the sixth, then you think Michael Thomas, who is, like I said, just activated or just put on the pup list. Man, if you're drafting right now, get Christian Kirk instead. He's going to be so much better for you in fantasy. Yeah, for sure. And, like, Christian Kirk is going to be one of those underrated guys who's going to outperform his ADP, in my opinion. I think that he has the ability to obviously stretch the field. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is a quarterback who is not scared to throw the ball deep. Right. We obviously have Marvin Jones on the other side, who's another field stretcher. But one guy that I think is really going to eat that no one's really talking about is Zay Jones. Facts. Yeah, I think when he was on the Raiders last year, Zay Jones would always get a sneaky touchdown for you. And he was always a sneaky flex spot, which this year I think you could be definitely look at the same thing. I mean... He might be, honestly, a, a flex lock, depending on how much uh, Doug Peterson wants to utilize him. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he's somebody who's going to be more of, like, that possession guy. I mm-hmm. think LaVisca serves more of, like, that Debo role to where he'll come in, he'll get sweeps, he'll get, you know, quick slants. Uh, he'll be a great blocker on a lot of run plays and a lot of draws. But I think that Zay Jones is somebody who they gave a three-year deal to. Right. From how I understand it, they actually gave him a pretty decent amount in guaranteed and guaranteed money for his three-year deal. Well, I mean, yeah, he's 
when you look at what he did on the Raiders, was it all that proven? Not necessarily. But when you look at his whole profile, it kind of gives me some sort of like, hey, like this guy deserves a chance and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just something about him that I think is kind of special, and yeah. we're gonna be able to see that wherever he goes. Like, I don't even think he's gonna be like a flex guy. I think he's probably gonna be more of like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe like a Z. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if you think about the money that they gave him, they gave Christian Kirk a big bag. Christian exactly. Kirk got like eighty-four million dollars, and he lives in the slot. That's the thing. Yeah. But Zay Jones, they're committing 24 guaranteed, potentially 30 throughout the deal. Yeah. So that's some level of an investment that tells me that they have big plans for him first year. And Doug Peterson and the uh, front office made that move to go ahead and try to have him fill somewhat of a vital role. Right, for right? sure. Like, you're just committing 24 mil to some guy. And Zay Jones, he he's historically kind of been just kind of another receiver yeah flown under the radar not a lot of people really look out for him i mean he's always Mm-mm. you know just one of those guys that hey he has decent upside he's on the raiders the raiders throw a lot mm-hmm. you know you can always kind of trust Derek carr but now he's going to be the three on this jaguars team and you have trevor lawrence who has been i mean obviously in the nfl a sporadic quarterback yeah but he's he was proven when he was in uh college everyone knows about him Mm-hmm. And you have a reputable coach now taking the reins. I think it could be kind of dangerous, dude. I think the one thing about Zay Jones that's limited his upside has been the touchdowns. Yeah. The last two years, I think my man has two touchdowns. And that's not to say that he hasn't had, you know, fair receiving work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but him being a cog in this offense that I think is going to toss the ball around a lot. If, <laughs> let's say, Trevor Lawrence throws for... 350 completions should be more than that honestly let's say 400 close to 400 375 let's say zay jones gets 10 15 percent of the target share um should maybe more than that 20 uh my man could see somewhere north of 70 80 targets over the year and i think he can make big plays happen he can be a big third down guy and uh, he could provide some production in your last flex spot on any given week that somebody might be gone on a bye um, or injured or yeah. so forth. Well, I mean, dude, like, if we want to talk upside from Trevor Lawrence, dude, like, I think this guy's going to have around, I don't want to, like, overhype him, but I think he's going to have around 4,200 yards passing this year. Oh. And so I think that might put his completions up towards like 400. And if you're giving this guy at least 15% of that, dude, like that's a good chunk of receptions. Yeah. And so I like, I really like Zay Jones this year as a sneaky little flex spot for your team. I don't know, man. Like he's getting drafted around like the same territory as like uh, Amari Rodgers and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, Amari Rodgers could have some upside this year too, but I mean... If you want to give me a proof or, a, like, guaranteed three, possibly even a two, like, don't get me wrong. I think this guy, if he has a good training camp, I think he might be able to beat out Marvin Jones. It just it depends on if he can prove himself, man. But, I mean, we're all sleeping on uh, Chenault as well. He's still in that room. We're still sleeping yeah. on him. I guess LaVisca is more of a different story. From the reports that I've been reading about LaVisca Chenault so far this offseason, they've all been really positive. 
Like, a lot of people are saying all the right things about him. They're saying that this guy is staying after practice to get better. They're saying that this guy is volunteering himself on special teams just to get reps in to show his coaches that he works hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude has the work ethic to make it work. So, now if they have Doug Peterson, somebody who's used to producing some somewhat, you know, fantasy-relevant receivers and tight ends in the past, I'm excited to see what happens with LaVisca because this will be his third system in... Three years. Damn near. And, uh... Who knows? Maybe this will be the system that works best for his skill set. Yeah, man. I think it's going to be definitely the most professional. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, I you're going into a fresh system where there's no biases. Like, the only bias is that they didn't draft you into the room. But the Jaguars didn't draft anyone new in the wide receiver room this year. So there's no real biases other than the people they brought in. Mm-hmm. And none of them were a gadget guy really like him. Like Never. And that's becoming... You know the NFL is the copycat league. So now that people saw what Debo could do... Right. LaVisca's next. Yeah, I mean... Hypothetically. And it doesn't seem like he has the mentality to be like, Nah, dude, I don't want to take the carries. Like, it seems like he has that dog in him. My man's a and, dog. And he wants those carries, it seems like. As long as he can get the hands on his hands on the ball. And, you know, like, it, whether it be him taking it out of the backfield and... You know, giving Travis Etienne some rest, or you know, if those two were to semi or like sit in the backfield together, mm-hmm. like that's a sick ass formation, dude. It is, it is, and you know, I think a lot of people had their hopes up for Lavisca last year because he was going into his second year, right? Uh, obviously, you know, in his first year, he 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 impressed. Um, my man had fifty eight catches, six hundred yards, you know, five tutties, uh rookie year. Last year was kind of different; didn't have any touchdowns. He had 19 more yards and five more catches, but it still wasn't anything that impressed anyone. Right. So, as he goes into year three, I expect that Russian number on his part to up, to, 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 to kind of go uh, a little bit higher. Yeah, so he had 11 attempts last year rushing the ball. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like it is a copycat league, so could you see that number go up to like 30, 35, 40 maybe? I think 30 is a good number. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be hard to overlook. I mean, if it's 17 games, that's basically two a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, we might be undershooting that yeah. realistically. I mean, if it works the way that we think it could, like a Debo, mm-hmm. like, why wouldn't Doug Peterson milk that out, you yeah. know? So, so I'm not saying that he's going to be the sleeper of the year, but like, if you want to look at the copycats and everything... Like, this is a perfect setup because Doug Peterson knows how to utilize the guys on their roster. I mean, he was able to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Yeah, for sure. People sleep on that. For sure. And I'm saying that if, for reference, Debo Samuel last year had 59 rush attempts on the year for about 345 yards. LaVisca last year had 11 attempts for 41. Like we just discussed, we could probably see that number going to something like 30 for 120, right? Mm -hmm. 125. If you get 125 yards rushing as a receiver, you're getting a third of the extra work that Debo got, and then you hope that your receptions can 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 do a little better. Right. Looking at LaVisca Chanel last year, my man had 99 targets, but he only had 63 catches. Right. Now, that's a pretty normal, you know, catch rate, around 66%. Uh, Debo Samuel last year, reception-wise, had 1,400 yards, mm-hmm. 77 catches. People underrate what Debo did as a receiver. My man had 1,400 yards and six touchdowns as a receiver. Slant God. So you really would need LaVisca to take that leap in receiving work, right? Well, and the thing is that if you want to utilize him, like, as a Debo, Mm -hmm. like, 
who's to say that you just don't utilize him? I mean, obviously he might not be the reception guy that you think he was in college. You know, like maybe you're just cutting ties with that and you actually just utilize him kind of like a Cordell Patterson. Yeah. You know, like where he's actually taking more ru- like rush attempts than he is taking. Like obviously he's a reception machine, Cordell, pa- Cordell Patterson. Yeah, he is. You know, but at the end of the day, like don't tell me that Chenault couldn't fit that same role. Yeah. Or a Debo Samuel. Like, I mean. Chenault, same thing. Like, he's a slant god just because of how agile he is and, like, the way that he makes those breaks. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's in a short area, if you put him in a fucking one-foot box mm-hmm. with another fucking defender, he's going to make him mix. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, the guy is unreal. The, and I don't know. Like, the, I just have a lot of faith in the guy. So, like, LaVisca Chenault's yards per target range is anywhere between 6 to 7 yards. Yeah. So the reason I think that's relevant is yards per target tells you approximately where they are on the field when they get the ball, right? So you look at someone like a Marvin Jones, who somewhat played, I guess, like the field stretcher for him last year. Um, you know, he had around seven compared to LaVisca six-something, and he had about eight and a half the year prior, too. Mm-hmm. That's compared to seven and a half for LaVisca, so... LaVisca essentially isn't getting those deeper targets. Right. All his work is coming really close to the line of scrimmage. So even if he does get 50-something catches, 60-something catches on a year, he's getting like, you know what I'm saying? He's not getting the real opportunity to make those 20-plus yard plays. Right. So do you think that he like his career so far has kind of been a little calf like Miko Hartman's? I think he- that, yeah, coaching hasn't done him well. Yeah, you think, well, I mean, obviously, like you said, like, he's had a vertical front in front of him, sort of shaded, like, let's say, a Tyreek Hill when he was on the Chiefs. Like, obviously, you're going to send someone on a fly. It's not going to be Meikle, typically. It's going to be the Cheetah. You know, like, I mean, that's just what Patty Mahomes wanted because they had that chemistry over, I guess, you know, obviously now it's going to have to be different, but... Could you mm-hmm. see Michael Hardman starting to stretch the field this year for the Chiefs? So, I guess in regards to LaVisca, uh, just before we exit yeah. off that, I think that Christian Kirk coming in is obviously really going to do some damage because Christian Kirk is another deep threat. And if you're looking for advice on what to do with LaVisca, I think that you should probably hold. If anything were to happen, it won't be next year, in my opinion. I think it would be the year after uh, because he goes to a different team with a different scheme and a different you know system. Uh, or they kind of get some time to see what he can do this year, and they kind of put their trust in him the following year when he would be in a contract year, I believe. But that's that on LaVisca. As far as Miko, y'all fucking know this, my boy. Y'all know I rock with Miko. I don't think you have any idea how fast I really am. I'm fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> Miko is somebody that I thought had a world of talent since the day he came into the league back in 2019 um he's someone that i love especially because of what he does with his yak yards my man will catch a screen and run that shit down the field for about a good 30 yard gain and then somehow some way never see a target until the next quarter but miko is somebody that i think is uh extremely underrated he has all the ability in the world to make game breaking plays whether it be on jet sweeps which he sees work on whether it be on a deep ball which he's fast enough to catch or whether it be on screen work to where it's just him in an open field against a bunch of DBs. 
So I think that if he can kind of push it together and get more opportunity, my man's going to be a star. I don't think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be average. I think Miko Hartman has all the ability to be a star. And in a contract year, you should probably go out and just... Honestly, don't even get him. I want y'all to, like, stand back and watch it. And I like to be right about things. And this is something I'd like to be right about. But... I just... You know? I I commend you and all your... I don't know, like... I understand why you'd like him. Mm-hmm. Like, he was obviously a pro bowler's first year as a returner. All pro, all that shit. Cool. And obviously it's been... I feel like it's been a tale of two stories. Like his receiving, like his receiving stats are decent. Like don't get me wrong, but I always felt like those were always just the sloppy seconds because Travis Kelsey wasn't getting it and Tyreek Hill wasn't getting it, so it had to go somewhere, mm-hmm. and he just so happened to fall into it. That's just my opinion on that. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know, man. Like I just think like it's gonna. It's just weird with Meikle right now, in my opinion, because yeah. you bring in three wide receivers that all have kind of a proven history. Like, you bring in Scott Moore, who, I mean, if you wanted to photocopy Tyree Kill, it almost looks like him. And then when you also bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, who is, I mean, you bring him in on a one-year deal from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's obviously been a proven wide receiver. You bring in MVS as well, who has been a field stretcher throughout his career at Green Bay. Yeah. So I just think it's kind of weird the predicament that he's in, just with those three coming in. Like, obviously, there's something that Andy Reid and the GM there saw a gap in, and obviously trying to make up for Tyreek Hill, it's Mm -hmm. hard to do. It is hard to do. And. I just think that they brought in pieces to almost yeah. overshadow Miko. And that's just yeah. why I think that in in value, I think he lost the immense amount of value just because of that. I think that Miko is important to this offense because he is that gadget player. Now they have Juju, who in the his, in his history has, you know, I'm saying moved around the wide receiver sets and, you know, taken some rushes and... Um, has somewhat been used like a gadget guy. We know MVS has the athletic ability to do whatever the fuck he wants. Right. The way I view this offense going forward is I think that MVS is probably the most disposable one. I know that he's getting a lot of hype, but you look at his history in Green Bay. In back-to-back Aaron Rodgers MVP years, I don't think MVS caught more than like 51-52% of his passes. So let, let's say you'd give him 90 targets in a year. You're only going to get about 44, 45, 46 catches out of him. And, I mean, that's no doubt. Like, I mean, the stats will speak for themselves. Like, he doesn't catch a large majority of his passes, but it doesn't speak on where those passes are coming from. Like, when he's been with the Packers, they haven't been slants where they're five yards away. They've been fly routes where he's 40, 45, 50 yards away from where Aaron was. And, obviously, those are much more lower percent catch rates. Like, he's going for bombs, and if you look at his yards per catch, it's because he's going for those. You don't think that's going to continue in Kansas City? Well, I think it's going to continue, but I think you might see a higher rate because if you look at how many bombs that Tyreek Hill caught on a a game-by-game basis, like, the guy always caught at least, like, one fly route for a touchdown per game, it seemed like. And if you want to see that same production, who are you going to throw out there? I think it's going to be MVS. 
if it's if it's my like I don't know. Didn't you just say that like the reason he didn't produce was because that's all he did was catch fly routes in Green Bay? Well, I don't know why you're trying to twist away my words. The reason why his stats say that he wasn't productive is because he's going for those fly routes, which are lower percentage catch rates. And so if you're going for 80 of those a fucking season, you catch 40 of them, but 40 of those go for touchdowns or 40 of them go for 40-yard gains. I mean, dude, like, it's such a larger sample size compared to what Meikle's doing by catching, you know, slants catching uh screens like no those are much more high percentage catch rates like regardless of what he does with it like you said like he could take it for a 30 yard gain but to compare that to going for these fly routes that mvs does i think that you're kind of looking at the stats a little skewed and that's just my i think that mvs over the grand scheme of things is going to be a I mean the the fly route option, and I think he does it a very very well. I think he does it on a great clip. Yeah, dog. Uh, I'm pretty sure Miko Miko might have as many yards as MVS has had, and MVS has been in the league a year longer than Miko. Uh, Miko obviously gets those short catches, which come about because of screens, because of little dump offs, because of specialty plays, gadget plays. Sure, and he also has Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey pulling the defense every other way. But but wouldn't MVS pull a defense somewhere, or wouldn't Juju attract cornerbacks? Like I, I I don't understand like what your what your argument is. Well, all I'm saying there's a reason why I think that Miko's been getting all these like he'll get big yardage and stuff. But to say that he's the reason why he's getting all those, I think it's because the defense is pulled every other way because of those two superstars rather than a defense just keen on Devante. And obviously you can have two safeties over top with that as well. I mean, blocking MVS. I think it's just a little different. Like I said, those fly routes are just a very lower percent catch rate, Jahia. And so for that reason, <laughs> Yo, the yeah. stats are skewed. <laughs> Yo, you just- you just proved me right. <laughs> Two hours later. So basically, and this will be the last time I bring it up, basically what you just told me is MVS had a, a lower catch rate uh, as opposed to Miko because he was just catching the ball deep, right? Down the field. 50-60 um, yard bombs, so they're harder to catch, as you said. And Miko was getting those short little dump-offs. But... Even with that, Miko has more yards than MVS does. Um, at least last year, Miko, I think, had like 200 more yards. And uh, I think that in terms of receptions, Miko's always had more. In terms of catch rate, Miko's always had more. I don't know where they both stand for touchdowns, but I don't think it would be too far apart. I think Miko is in a perfect situation because though MVS is not Tyreek Hill, he is going to pull the defense downfield. That's his job. That's literally the one thing they hired them to do they went ahead and got somebody like a juju who could play somewhat similar to how sammy watkins did um can kind of go get those possession catches those 15 yard catches those intermediate routes and then you got somebody like sky Moore, who juju or i'm sorry who miko might have to fight off and i think that sky Moore is a much bigger threat than mvs is i think that as a rookie obviously he's going to need some time to kind of get integrated into the offense we'll see how that goes there's been some people who aren't as high on Sky Moore for whatever reason. Some of them say it's just because he switched his jersey number to 24. And he looks like a fucking cornerback coming mm-hmm. out of the backfield or coming out of wide receiver sets. But at the end of the day, 
I don't know, man. Miko's the only guy who's been there for a while. He has all the talent in the world. Um, faster, quicker than all the guys on the field. And he... That would be false. I mean, at top speed, MBS had the highest speed last year in open field. I and think... that's a proven fact. He was faster than Tyree Kill in all of his touchdowns. MBS set the record last year with 24.8, I think. Or 22.8. You think MVS beats Miko Hardman in a line race? I think so, dude. I mean, MVS is a is a sprinter, and that's why he's so versatile. And the reason why, I mean, I'm not trying to shit on Miko. Like, I think he is decent. Like, don't get me wrong. I just don't know if he's going to be the best fantasy asset, and I don't know if he's going to be that big of a part in every single uh, game. But MVS also missed six games last year, which obviously, if you want to look at that, a 200-yard, you know, mismatch compared to Miko last year. Like, that, again, stats are skewed. And I just think that if MVS can stay healthy this year and be the two that he's projected to be on that team, I just think that that team's going to be deadly, and I think it's going to be deadly because of MVS. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can get a bomb a game because you know it's going to come at any time. I mean, you have the best arm, like, arguably in the NFL with Patty Mahomes. Throwing it to MVS, and I mean, when you have all those targets, and like you have MVS, Juju, Travis Kelsey, like it's gonna be hard to you know put a safety over top on MVS every play. And once Patty can dissect that, like dog, that's a toddy waiting to happen. You know what? Actually, speaking of uh, speaking of veterans who are going into um, you know latter parts of their career, maybe they haven't performed up to par or how we thought they would initially. Uh, Rashad Penny is getting a lot of hype this offseason because people are saying that he's likely to go ahead and get a workhorse role to start the year. Yeah, dude. I've been high on Rashad Penny ever since he came out of uh, San Diego State. I know we've talked about him a couple times this offseason, but to finally see that you know the reporters are giving him a little bit of hype now, Pete Carroll's giving him a little bit of hype in these training camps, that's sick, dude. Like, I'm excited to see it. And obviously, with them drafting Kenneth Walker, everyone was kind of wondering what was going to happen with that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be great. Even if they do keep it, like, as a dual-back system, like, I don't know, dude. I think they're going to drop Chris Car- uh, Carson's, and I think they're going to keep those two and probably, you know, get someone to be a third. Mm-hmm. Like, I-, I could really see that happening because those two are really dynamic and they do – Two completely different things. Uh-huh. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on uh, Rashad Penny getting that love as the one to start? I don't think it's going to last. I think that four of his biggest games that he's had in his career have been against the Lions, the Cardinals defense, the Bears defense, and I want to say the Texans defense. Okay. That was last year towards the end of the year, and those four rush defenses ranked bottom half of the league. So I think that he took uh, the a great opportunity and took advantage of a of a fortunate situation. I know Rashad Penny was a first round pick, and I know Rashad Penny has some talent, but Kenneth Walker last year was ranked um, was ranked essentially the best running back in the country in college football. Uh, Kenneth Walker is no scrub, and they invested pretty high capital into Kenneth Walker as well. Now. Rashad Penny is obviously slated to get a workhorse role. He's slated to kind of get a lot of run. 
and maybe that'll be Pete Carroll kind of doing the guy a solid and letting him have a good season so he can go on the market and make some money. But, I mean, I don't have any history of the man staying healthy. I don't know how good this offense is going to be and how often they'll be able to run. They could easily get down in the first quarter, and next thing you know, it's just a bunch of, you know, Drew Locke tossing it up and they getting intercepted. Right. But, I mean, man, I... I don't want to invest all that much in a rush shot penny right now in mock drafts at least. I'm seeing the guy go kind of somewhat early. We're talking like 8th, ninth, 10th round. For sure. Yeah, his ADP is around 100. Yeah, so even then, man, I if I'm running back needy, I could see why I would maybe as my third running back or fourth running back or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I just... I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could pull the trigger, man. The team's bad. The quarterback's bad. The offense is bad. And his situation is unsure. I love Kenneth Walker more in Dynasty. But in terms of redraft, I'm not touching either of these guys. I mean, I understand the, you know, the cold shoulder to Rashad Penny. I've always liked this guy. I mean, and the fact that now that people have kind of seen that Chris Carson's isn't a viable option and Rashad Penny showed that he could do something when he is available... It gives me, uh, I don't know, a warm, fuzzy feeling that he could actually be viable <laughs> this year. It really does. And Kenneth Walker, I mean, the fact that he's able to come in and take a little bit of a load off of him, and he's able to, you know, fill in, like, going through the gaps and stuff. Like, Rashad Pani is so useful when he's going outside of the tackle because he's extremely fast. Yeah. And so, when you can have that duo, I think it makes him even more deadly. Obviously, he probably won't be like a starter in your lineup. He will probably be a flex option. But I think that Rashad Penny is definitely going to be utilizing that offense. And the fact that you said that that team is bad, I kind of disagree. I think they're just a quarterback away. And with the more and more talk of people saying that Jimmy G is going to be dropped rather than traded, if Jimmy G lands on the Seahawks, dude... I think that team is primed and ready to go for, I mean, at least a divisional run. Like, they're going to have to compete with the fucking Cardinals, the Rams, you know, everyone. The Niners. The Niners, exactly. Yeah, they're going to be lost in that division no matter what. I mean, but if you have Jimmy G, that that team could be a winner. I mean, obviously, it's just going to be a really tough division. Nonetheless... Jimmy G gives him a chance, rather, if you have Drew Locke or Geno Smith back there. That's just what I think, at least. I think playing the Rams defense twice a year, playing the Niners defense twice a year. Cardinals defense, obviously, we just mentioned how they were bottom half for the league and, and rush defense, but they got some talent back there. Um, Man, those are some tough teams. Look, dude, all I'm saying is that it's just it would be a lot more competitive rather than Drew Locke if Jimmy G was there. And I think... The team is, I mean, they're missing pieces, yes. And are they going to probably end up last? Yes. But they could definitely steal games. Like, if they were to have a different quarterback, that's all I'm saying. So, Seattle traded Russell Wilson, their former quarterback, to the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And on the Denver Broncos, they have a ton of weapons. Right now, there's going to be a training camp battle for probably a couple of those uh, positions. But one in particular is that tight end between Greg Dolchich and uh, Alberto. Yeah, dude. Well, I was just, uh, before we started, uh, you know, locking in for the pot, I actually saw that 
we uh, there's a report on Greg Dolce's that he's going through a minor core injury right now, which I don't think it's going to be anything to be too worried about if you had drafted him or if you looked to draft him in your redraft leagues. So from my background, the core is honestly one of the uh, fastest healing muscles in your body. Uh, don't know how, but it, it just is. And so with it being a minor core injury, I think that honestly it's going to be good for him because I doubt he's had much rest since the draft. No. Like he's probably just been working like an absolute dog. Yep. And now that he does have a little bit of time to rest up and, you know, get healthy before training camp and before he does have to go, you know, secure the number one spot at this team, Mm -hmm. like, I think that this is honestly going to be good for him. And obviously, getting injured, never fun, especially if it is a core injury. Mm -hmm. But I think that since it's minor, I think you have nothing to worry about with this. If we're talking about redraft, I would probably rather have Albert O, just because it seems like he's a starter for now. And obviously, if that changes, then I'll change my opinion. But... For Dynasty, give me Greg Dolchich all day long because Greg is not only a great pass catcher, my man's not only smooth with running the routes, my man's not only obviously, like I just said, has soft hands, but um, I think that with him kind of entering the team uh, alongside Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. and them getting the opportunity to kind of grow together, get to know each other, um, Albert O was initially drafted from Missouri because they had Drew Locke at one point in time. And they were trying to figure out a way to kind of make Drew Locke work. Well, Drew Locke's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And they have Russell Wilson. And who does Greg Dolchich remind me of? We've said it once. We'll probably say it again. Greg Olson. Right. Right. Greg Dolchich, meet Greg Olson. No doubt, dude. I mean, I think right now, I mean, obviously a lot of love is going to Albert O. But I think... Once it comes to, like, week two or three, I think all those people who drafted him in, like, the fifth, sixth, seventh, wherever the hell he's going right now, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be such a reach because I do think that Greg Dolchis is going to steal the spot from him. Yeah. Like, you had just said, like, this regime is the regime that uh, drafted him, and I really think that this little uh, rehab assignment that he's going to be doing, I don't think that's going to really – hurt him at all like I said I think it's gonna actually help him in the long yeah. run agreed so I, I don't know like I understand people drafting Albert O before Greg Dolchitz but I really do think that Greg is gonna be the starter on that team in a couple weeks hmm. I don't know that's just my perfect couple weeks after the season or but, a couple weeks in the training camp shit dude either or I mean if he's just competing I think he's gonna get the spot like, mm-hmm. it just depends on how long it takes him to heal up from this injury, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going to be healthy at least by this, the start of the season. And then with that, once I think once he's able to just prove himself, I, get, I think he's just going to be the one. Yeah. Man, I would – I'd like to see that. You know how big we both were um, on the potential. Right. And the impact that that man could make. Uh, Greg Dolchich is a bees coming out of UCLA. We loved him through the pre-draft process. I ended um, up getting him in our uh, rookie draft. Yeah, in our that home was league. Sick. In our home league, uh, Dugo here scooped him, and he's somebody that you should definitely be on the lookout for. And honestly, bro, like if I have Albert O, I think he has so much hype right now. I don't think his hype, like escalator could go any higher right i think if you have them i think if you could give them up for something i think this would be the perfect time just because 
I think you should sell Albert o right now. Yeah, seriously, I, I do. I, yeah, I just and think there's way too much hype right now. To tell you why, his hype is at a maximum. We don't know what he's gonna do, but everyone's projecting him to be a damn near borderline top five tight end. Right. And we see that Greg Dolchich, as a rookie, is already coming in threatening his job. Right. That's not good. If you have a rookie coming in day one who's a third or fourth round pick and they're threatening the job yeah. from the guy who's supposed to be the guy and be this borderline top five tight end, that tells you that he's not that borderline top five tight end. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's already reports going on right now that Albert O could lose starting role. Like So, like, bro, like that that's not a good sign to see when the rookie's been with the team for two months. Right, and he's going through a little bit of an injury right now. So, like, like, imagine what happens to Greg when he learns the entire playbook. Imagine when they actually get on... If they like what they see in drills and in practice, imagine what happens when they get on the field. Right. Like, what happens when they practice every day. Yeah. Like, bro, like, this isn't, like... These reports should not be happening this early into the process. Mm Mm-hmm. A fourth-round, third-round rookie tight end coming in, and they're talking about him already taking this dude's job. Yep. I don't see... He's only going to get better. Right? He's only going to go up the hill. Albert O's been in the league a few years. Like, he's more at that plateau. Right. Give me the guy with the upswing. Absolutely, dude. That's what I'm thinking right now. So, all these people, I mean, I like I said, I can kind of understand it, but I feel like these people who are drafting way too early, these mm-hmm. people who are drafting Albert O right now, stop. Evaluate your life. <laughs> Evaluate what Yo, the hell you're doing. Go step outside, let your feet touch some grass, smell some fresh air, take and, a deep breath. And just think, what the hell could I get instead of this? I exactly. mean, he's at the 132 ADP, dude. Like, that's the 10th round-ish. Yeah. I mean, if you're drafting 14-team league like we do, like, there's a lot better options out there. Listen, you can package him up in a deal. You can go and get yourself maybe a borderline wide receiver three. Uh, you can maybe go and get yourself like a RB three, low ends. No, probably like a RB three is just healing for him. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you could trade him for someone like a James Cook potentially. You could trade him for. There's no way people would get would trade James Cook for that. Not as a rookie. Yeah, you're probably right. He plays running back. Yeah, I just drafted him in the first round this year in our rookie draft, dog. There's no think, way. Yeah, take that back. I think Alberto is probably more around the realm of like a KJ Osborne-ish. Um, somebody, I think. If someone needs a tight end, I can see that happening, yeah. Yeah. If you're talking about like a one-for-one. But regardless, bro, like, I guess you, it, yeah, it's hard to say. I love Greg Dolchich. I think he's going to be the starting tight end, and I think that Alberto is going to lose. Lose value one way or another. 100%. So if you have them, sell them now while you can. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yo, um, I want to run it back because there's one more person I want to talk about. I want to get to. For sure, Doc. Uh, David Bell, who is a receiver out in Cleveland that um, my man doesn't get enough love. Well, I mean, he, he is just a rookie, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, he was drafted, what, in the third round, I believe. Mm. And... I think he gets enough hype for what he is. I mean, he hasn't really done much in training camp, at least to my knowledge. I mean, he has a good profile, but even, like, from the draft, like, people were kind of, I don't know, they shrugged him off because he didn't really perform well there. Uh-huh. So until I think he sees live action, until people actually see what he can do, because he his game speed is just so much faster. It is. So it I is. think until that happens, people are kind of going to be sleeping on him. But yeah. I think... If if we want if we want to talk 
viable dynasty assets. He he's one of them, dude. Especially if uh, if this stuff with Deshaun Watson actually ends up being like a shorter suspension, like people are kind of projecting. I don't think it's gonna be a year. Yeah, dude. I mean, even if it is, like, even if it's not like a multi-year suspension, like where it's indefinite, like mm-hmm. I think, I think is, I don't know. I think his value goes up. Yeah. Like, how can it not? Yeah, it I mean, has to. You have a at least a top ten quarterback, at least in my opinion, out there throwing the rock, and you have David Bell, who he's probably one of the most sure-handed uh, wide receivers from this draft. If you want to just talk catching the ball. Yeah. Like he is, he is crazy. So I think that that's going to be a really good combination to have, and where you draft him in uh, di- or in a redraft league is probably towards the end of the draft. I won't lie. Uh-huh. So like, if you were to you know like draft him in like shoot even like the sixteenth round, like he he could be a decent sleeper for you if you just hold him throughout the first couple weeks. Uh-huh. So you know, uh, some of us are old enough to remember a certain receiver. Uh, from the Houston Texans back in 2018. Okay. Uh, he goes by the name of Kiki QT. Oh, shit, my boy. Kiki kind of served that role of a guy who could play inside or outside, but he did get some slot work. And uh, Kiki had some games back in the day, but Kiki's issue was that he couldn't stay healthy. For real. I'm going to keep using his name. Kiki had games in 2018 with Deshaun Watson. Uh, against the Indianapolis Colts, who at the time had a formidable defense against the Dallas Cowboys defense, uh, against Washington. But uh, my man had a game with like 11 catches, 109 yards. He had another game, I think, with um, like 77 yards. So uh, I say all that to say that production is possible for Deshaun Watson slots. For sure. Now, like I said with Kiki, his first year, my man missed like seven games. Yeah. I would hope or I would assume at least that David Bell would stay healthier. Yeah, I, I at least from my to my knowledge, I don't know if he has much of a injury history at Purdue. So I think if he can continue being healthy, if he can stay, you know, just available, because like you just said, I mean, a guy named Kiki Cutie was able to be a a proven fancy asset while he was on the Texans if he had Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. So someone like David Bell, who is a to my at least in my opinion a proven possession receiver going into the NFL, at least as a rookie, I think he has all the upside in the world, man. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, if I had to compare him, if I had to compare his potential production with anyone this year, I could see him being similar to like a Van Jefferson uh, from the Rams that. last year. I could see that. Van had 50 catches, six touchdowns, 143 fantasy points approximately. Um, he was wide receiver 36. So I could see uh, David Bell falling right outside of the brim of that wide receiver three role but having those those big weeks. So Yeah. Um, that's it for us this week. We appreciate y'all for tapping in. Uh, this is the Gumball Podcast where we talk nothing but uh, fantasy football tips and tricks for you and your success in redraft and dynasty. Which we, is a little bit of bullshit in between. A little bit, tad bit. Uh, we secretly hate each other, but we come together to uh, give you this you know beautiful product. So. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> we go through hell for it. Yeah. Peace and love. We'll talk to you all next week. Hope you have a great week. Aight.